Father in heaven, we thank you today for your many blessings and for this opportunity to hear the living word being spoken to us. I pray even now that you will revive and reform us, awaken us to where we are in this earth's history based on Bible prophecy, and may we be found with an impeccable character. May we be about your business in the work of aggressive evangelism. We thank you for hearing us. We thank you for answering. Is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to this midday power surge. This is uh, uh, Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. Welcome one, welcome all to this midday power surge. We have a uh, we had a slight glitch a few moments ago. Anyway, my friends, most of you are aware that my wife does a devotional reading and she began this new calendar year, 2020, reading the book Maranatha. And today's reading for January 15th is very imperative. Why? Because ominous events are right around us. And I want to share with you just the first paragraph from that reading. The perils of the last days are upon us. And in our work, we are to warn the people of the danger they are in. Let not the solemn scenes which prophecy has revealed be left untouched. If our people were half awake... If they realized the nearness of the events portrayed in the Revelation, a reformation would be wrought in our churches, and many more would believe the message. We have no time to lose. Mm. Advance new principles and crowd in clear-cut truth. We have, what friends, no time to lose. The perils of the last days are upon us. And when we take a look at the book of Matthew, Matthew 24, the Bible speaks of wars among nations. The Bible speaks about famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. Friends, earthquakes, we know that to be the heaving of the earth, the shaking of the earth, earthquake. We also understand earthquake can cause tsunamis. We'll come to that. Earthquakes can also produce volcanoes. We will address that. And the Bible tells us calamities in diverse places. Take a look at this. All right, friends, this is CDP showing us calamities, Australian bushfires, all in 2020. The Ebola outbreak in the Congo. All right, Puerto Rico earthquakes. And now what is transpiring in the Philippines? Take a listen. In the Calabazon region of the Philippines, the Taal volcano has turned the landscape monochrome. Whole villages are blanketed in thick layers of volcanic ash and formerly lush plantations have been left unrecognizable. Jack Imperial has farmed pineapple for 17 years. He says he's never seen such devastation. 
you know, friends, we're looking at these things. And Matthew 24 tells us when we see these signs, the calamities, which also will produce famines. Just imagine how many people are going to be sick as a result of these calamities. Famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. When we see these things, it's the beginning of sorrows. Let's continue. An estimated 3,000 hectares of land has been affected by ashfall in Calabazon. And the agricultural damage has already exceeded 10 million euros. Hmm. This is famine. We are here, my friends. Now take a look. Soledad and her husband are among the tens of thousands of villagers who had to flee to evacuation centers as Ta'al Volcano, which is one of the world's smallest volcanoes, continues to erupt, spewing lava, mud and heavy ash over many towns, reaching even the capital city of Manila. Operation Blessing Philippines responded right away by distributing much-needed dust masks and food packs. The president of the humanitarian arm, Peter Kairos, was also present to look into the needs of the evacuees. And when we see these things, the Bible tells us in Matthew 24, when these things begin to, begin to transpire, the Bible tells us, look out, the close of probation is near. Matthew 24, verse 14, then come the end. Verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, a crisis will come upon God's commandment-keeping people. Friends, this is a, a crisis and there is no ambiguity. The end of all things is at hand. Take a look. So we cover those earthquakes. Take a look at this, my friends. This day in history, January 12th, 2020. What happened in Haiti? Those of you in the forum. What happened in Haiti on January 12th, 2010? All right, friends. The massive earthquake. Headline, NPR News. A lost decade. Haiti still struggles to recover 10 years after massive earthquake. It goes on. North of Haiti's capital, thousands of bodies are buried here in a mass grave. Dug after a magnitude, seven earthquakes shook the country when? On January 12, 2010. And friends, they're still suffering as a result. And those organizations who went to Haiti claiming to be able to solve their crises, they were also guilty of bringing more calamities, more crises. Headline, BBC News, the United Nations admits role in Haiti's deadly cholera outbreak. And this is fulfilling great controversy. Page 589. While appearing as the children of men who can heal all their diseases, he will bring disease and disasters until populous cities are reduced to ruin and desolation. As you can see on the screen, Fox News, my friends. Now, what is happening in Haiti? Calamity, the earthquake. What about famine? Take a look at this, my friends. Has become crucial. 
Food insecurity is not new in Haiti, but this time what's causing the crisis is the rise in the prices of food. Natasha is telling us that this food that you can see here is meant to feed a family of five. It costs about five dollars and what's left of it is meant to help other members of the community. You know, friends, what can be done to assist the sincere ones there? And let me tell you something, friends. The next time we complain to God about, about woe is me, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, just recall what's happening in other parts of the world, what others are going through, going through a worse situation. And let me tell you something. The majority of these people in Haiti, elsewhere, even in, in, in the Philippines, they are resilient Likewise, as professed Christians who have God's promises, we must be spiritually resilient in these last days. All right, friends, listen. Saturday. Protests last year due to the economic situation in the country complicated aid distribution around Haiti. Mm -hmm. And notice, friends, it's get, it gets even worse. What we're seeing are dramatic levels of hunger here in Haiti with about 3.7 million Haitians who don't have enough to eat. So that's one in three Haitians, more or less. Uh, it's, it's a massive number. And among them, one million are facing severe hunger, which means that they, if it is unaddressed, they, there might be long-term consequences. That's mm, mm, mm. One in three people need urgent food aid think about that my friends listen aid is what guarantees these children eat one meal a day without it many would struggle to survive teresa Bo, al jazeera port au prince mm, 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 mm. all right friends and what are we told according to paul francis must be enacted by every nation to solve the calamities as well as to end poverty. Look at the screen. Sunday observance, my law. Listen. Friends, expect more calamities on Sunday. Look at this, my friends. Write these down. Great controversy. Page 574. 575. Or the chapter entitled Liberty of Conscience Threatened. That calamities transpired on Sunday in past times. And the priests, the so-called Protestants said, since the calamities are coming on Sunday, that means Sunday must be God's day. And that's how Sunday was entrenched in society. Strengthened in society. Then came persecution. Look at this again, my friends. Note it. GC 575, paragraph 2. Paragraph 3, are we now seeing calamities on Sunday? If so, not if, since we are seeing them, expect more. And they are going to become more frequent and more disastrous. Here it is, my friends. In Indonesia, earthquake brought the tsunami on Sunday. And what was said is because you are breaking Sunday. Look at this, Indonesia again. August 5th, Sunday. August 5th, 2018, a destructive earthquake in Indonesia. Now, when do you think the volcano 
transpired in the Philippines. It was on Sunday. Listen, friends. The Tal volcano has been billowing smoke into ash since its eruption on Sunday. It lies in the middle of a lake just over 60 kilometers south of the Philippine capital, Manila. Friends, is a Sundalonier to combat these calamities based on scripture. It's coming based on the encyclical Laudato Si from the man of sin. We are nearing home. Should we become trepid? No, friends. God is looking for gallant Christians, fearless Christians. I want to be one of those. How about you in the forum? It's time, my friends. I'm telling you. Beloved, take a look at this now. And now we come to Malaysia. Headline, friends. Sunday should be made rest with family day. Who is saying this? Hannah, yo. Sunday for family rest. Sunday for the dignity of work. And who is also promoting Sunday for families? Sunday for the dignity of work. It's the Pope of Rome right there on the screen. We are here, my friends. And that's why I'm telling you it's time for us to be prepared. It's time for us to be prepared. You know, friends, we must compare two primary scriptures as it relates to the work of preparation for the church and the world. How many of you want to be ready for the close of probation? Ready per adventure, death comes before the second coming of Christ. How many of you want to be ready for the second coming of Christ? If so, send him those amens in the forum, my friends. And those two scriptures are Revelation 14, verse 6 to verse 12, as well as Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through verse 21, the message to Laodicea. Now watch the point. Jesus says, Laodiceans are blind. They do not see their need. And he offers them, to anoint their eyes with heavenly eye salve that they might see. I want my eyes to be anointed. How about you, my friends? Look at the juxtaposition now. Laodiceans, you're blind. Verse 17 of Revelation 3. Verse 18, come for the eye salve. Look at the juxtaposition. Go to Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says in verse 29, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. If your right eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. Question. Is Christ promoting mutilation of the body? Oh no, my friends. Then what is he talking about? Let me share with you what Christ revealed to me. He is addressing the mind. The mind, the thoughts, control the eyes. And we must not allow the eyes to lust after evil things. Does that make sense? Write down Genesis chapter 3. Verse 4 through verse 7. What was the issue, the problem with Eve in the Garden of Eden? Does it make sense, my friends? 
she should have, in a spiritual sense, plucked out her eye, her right eye. I'll come back to that. Also write down 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through verse 17. Love not the world, nor the things which are in the world. Why? All that is in the world, the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life, these things are not of God, they are of the world, and these things will perish. And if we do not become converted, we will perish likewise. But those who do the will of God don't lust after evil things with their eyes, plucking out their right eyes. They're the one who will abide forever. Are these points clear, my friends, in the forum? All right. What about people who say, well, pastor, what if I put a black cover over my right eye? and use my left eye to do whatever I want to do and watch whatever I want to watch and read whatever I want to read. Please, don't be facetious. Is that point clear, my friends? By the way, let me give you a scripture. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 18, in Matthew chapter 18, the Bible tells us in verse 9, the same words. Look at the difference. Verse 9, a slight nuance. Verse 9, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. That didn't say right eye, right? If thine eye offend you, left or right? So the Bible is telling us, write these two points down. Pluck out thine eye or cast it from thee. To pluck out thine eye, it simply means to stop. Stop looking at things that will hinder your salvation. All right, next phrase, cast it from thee, which means to remove that thing that is stunting your spiritual growth. Styming, abating your spiritual growth and cast those things from you. Does that make sense, my friends? And what Christ showed me in my prayer closet as I was studying this matter is this. He's instructing me to pluck out my right eye, to remove whatever is hindering my spiritual walk with him. He's telling you today, January 15, 2020, to pluck out your right eye in a spiritual sense. Stop. Examine yourself. Remove. Examine yourself. Remove all that hinders your spiritual growth. I must do that. You must do it. How important is the eye? Very important, friends. Application. There are some things that we deem, oh, so important. But in the picture, in the big picture of our salvation, they will hinder us from being saved. Does that make sense? Yes. We have a role to play in our salvation. Pluck out your right eye. Cast it from thee. Write down Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12, verse number 13. The Bible tells us, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's God which worketh in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There's a work for us to do, and that work to unite with Christ. He will give me, 
He will give you the power as we examine ourselves to pluck out the right eye. Stop the sinful things as well as to remove it from us, giving us victory. Look at this statement here from The Desire of Ages, page 466. It says, in the work of redemption, there is no compulsion. Friends, my loving Jesus, your loving Savior, is not going to force us. He's a God of love. In the work of redemption, there's no compulsion. The, no external force is employed. The expulsion of sin is the act of the soul itself. True, we have no power to free ourselves from Satan's control. But when we desire to be set free from sin and in our great need, Revelation 3, we must see our need. Cry out for a power out of and above ourselves. The powers of the soul are imbued with the divine energy of the Holy Spirit. And they obey the dictates of the will in fulfilling the will of God. And once we do this, God showed me, now fix your eyes on things which are spiritual. Do you know what text came to my mind? It's Philippians chapter 4. Put that down, friends. Philippians chapter 4. And before you go to bed tonight, read that scripture. Philippians chapter 4. These are the things that we must think on, meditate upon. Go with me to 2 Peter. Friends, in 2 Peter chapter 2, the Bible tells us in verse number 7, the Bible showed me how I may know if I'm ready for heaven. I'm going to reveal to you how you may know in one sense if you are ready for heaven. And that is when the sinful sights of this world vex our souls. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, context, second coming. God delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For, the, for that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing, that's the eyes, and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. That's it, friends. This is how, in one sense, we may know if we are ready for heaven. Now watch this. If you go back to Matthew 5, verse 29, Verse 28, verse 30, God's word says, pluck out the right eye, cut off the right arm. I said, Lord, what could this mean? You see, friends, the eyes, sight. The arm is what you do, works. And if we get victory by not viewing that which is unholy, ungodly, then we have power now to say, I won't do that which is ungodly. Does it make sense? Cut off that right arm. That's it. And friends, none of us want any of our members to be severed. So what am I to do with my members? The eyes, the ears, the nostrils, 
the feet, the hand. What are we to do with our members? Go to Romans chapter 6 with me. It's a potent scripture. Romans chapter 6, God's word says in verse number 13, friends, you don't want to miss this scripture. Verse number 13, God's word says, Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Verse 19, it says, For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, servants to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so today, now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. Look at this statement as I close here, friends. Acts of the Apostles, page 518 says, Those who would not fall a prey to Satan's devices must guard well the avenues of the soul. They must avoid reading, seeing, or hearing that which will suggest impure thoughts. We get victory over Satan's temptations. That is what is written in Acts of the Apostles. Look at this now. Patriarchs and prophets. Page 460. What's the first sentence? Yet we have a work to do to resist temptation. Pluck out your right eye if it offends you. Is the same quotation. That's one nuance in the first sentence. They must avoid reading, seeing, or hearing that which will suggest impure thoughts. That's potent, my friends. All right? All right, friends. I want to close by saying this. There is a powerful statement in Matthew 5 about salvation. In Matthew 5, go back, verse 30, verse 29, it says, If thy right eye offend you, pluck it out. And cast it from thee, watch this now, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Friends, those were similar words spoken in John chapter 11. This is Caiaphas just before they sentenced Christ to death. What did Caiaphas say? In verse 47 of John chapter 11, verse 49, he says, beginning in verse 48, he says, It is expedient that one should die for the whole nation, and not that the whole nation should perish. What does expedient mean? Profitable. Ah, friends. This he spoke in verse 52 of Christ that Jesus should die for that nation. So Christ died as a member that we might have everlasting life. My friends, that's powerful. That must cause me and you to surrender all to Christ. Maybe you missed it. Your eyes are member, pluck it out that your whole body, other members are not lost. Spiritually, now Christ is a member he died. John 11, verse 47 through verse 53, so that all of us might have everlasting life. That's John 3, 16. Oh, friends, sending your prayer request. Will you surrender all? My wife sang the song, Christ gave all for us. Today we must choose to give all to him.
I gave my life for thee. My precious blood I shed, that thou mightst ransomed be, and quickened from the dead. I suffered much for thee, more than thy tongue can tell of bitterest agony to rescue thee from hell. I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? I've borne, I've borne it all for thee. What hast thou borne for me?